Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, we've got the most lit DJ in Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, he's a concert DJ. Uh, he does uh, a lot of shows. Uh, often they go by Mondo's house. Um, he's got a residency out in Chicago at the Sound Bar. We've got DJ Mondo. Thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you for having me. You're Appreciate welcome. It. Yeah, man. Uh, how's your day going so far? Everything's decent. Um, I just watched a movie last night called Midsummer. Okay. And it, it was uh it was something. It yeah. was crazy. What was it about? Man, I don't even know, bro. It's it's like <laughs> it's one of those movies where you finish it, like you're you're expecting it to lead up to something. Yeah, yeah. And then it ends. Oh it's yeah. Like, it, it hurt my head. That's so it's, it's about it's about a Swedish uh a Swedish cult. It does sure. a bunch of ritualistic stuff, and they kill people. Interesting. Was it was it like good though? Would you recommend it? I would not recommend it okay. to anybody who like if if you can't really 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 think abstract. Like Jordan Peele watched the movie. He said ten out of ten, right? Okay. But if you're just a regular movie watcher and you're expecting a horror movie, you're not gonna get it. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's tough, man. It's out there. <laughs> but it's it's like. Kind of like a movie Mother, where like oh, yeah. every... I've seen Mother. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, none of it makes sense if you don't know what the symbolism is about. Yeah, because... Like, every action is a symbolic action. It's like that. Sure, yeah. Mother was like a lot of allegories for like the Bible yeah. and stuff and like so, that. Yeah, and so like when I was watching the movie, I didn't know any of that stuff. When I was watching the movie, I was like, I was ready to punch my TV screen after it was all yeah. done. Because I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. But then you read like the explanation of it, it makes sense. Right, yeah. I still I, haven't read an explanation <laughs> that makes sense for this movie, though, because I don't know. It's tough, man. It's yeah. tough. I don't recommend it to anybody. For sure. I just kind of took it for what it was. Bro, yeah. No, I always uh, hit the Wikipedia article, like, after I watch a movie to, like, yeah. pick up on anything I missed. Hey, something, bro. Just give me something. Yeah. I got to talk to the director, bro, because... <laughs> he's going to he's gonna see this, and we're going <laughs> to get on to him for it. Mm -hmm. But, no, I felt that way when I watched uh, Spring Breakers. Have you seen that one? I haven't. That's on Netflix, right? I don't know if it still is. I know it was. That's the one with Gucci in it, right? Yeah, it's got Gucci, and it's got James Franco, and there was that whole riffraff controversy. Because, like, James Franco was basically... His character was basically riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a Harmony Corinne movie, so... Um, it was based... He's, like, a film director that, like... He makes a lot of um, just very, like a lot of his movies are very surreal mm -hmm. and like um, very like independently, um, just sort of independently styled. But um, it had like all these high budget actors. It had Gucci, James Franco, it had Selena Gomez. And like, it was, but it's one of the weirdest and most just bizarre movies you'll ever I'm see. I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I couldn't decide if I liked it for the longest time because it was bringing like an alternative art form to like uh to a mainstream audience and it's just it's not going to sit well with a lot of people expecting like this you know fun spring break comedy mm -hmm. like it is a dark and like twisted <laughs> story bro <laughs> yeah i'm gonna definitely watch that one for sure yeah so um 
Yeah, uh, so what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk about love and fear through the creative and passionate minds. And um, I've had uh, a number of DJs on the show before, but um, I, I like to talk to DJs a lot because I think it's cool how you know, you're basically dictating the energy of the crowd through other people's music. Mm. Um, so to start, um, I want to, I guess, uh, take it back and ask you, I guess, where you um, really started like experimenting with DJing and like where it became, where you turned it from a hobby into like a, a career for yourself. Yeah, so I, I've always pretty much had music in my life just from my mom and dad because they, they're, they're huge on music. Everything we do is around music and food. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so I was at a wedding anniversary party when I was like 13. It was just a grown-up function, so I was bored. Mm -hmm. and so, Typical, yeah. yeah so can't I'm, drink, you can't. Yeah, no. You I'm just like, got to sit there at the table. <laughs> exactly. Just there weren't any kids, whatever. So I, I went and hung out by the DJ because he was the only one doing something that was like cool. Mm -hmm. He was playing music and I just kept on giving him song requests and the song requests were like getting people on the dance floor and I was giving him like all of these and all this stuff. Yeah. Like he was impressed by how much music I knew. And so he decided to teach me how to DJ. And so uh, shout out to Marcus, Marcus Harshaw. Huh? Shout outs. Mm -hmm. He taught me how to DJ. He came over like every Sunday to my house for a whole summer and taught me like the basics of DJing and beat matching. And, you know, listening to the music and things like that mm -hmm. and then uh, i just had it as a hobby and practice all through high school and then i got to college at uw madison and i joined the student radio station sure yeah. so I, I was djing on the radio and that like got me connected with lots of the artists in the community mm -hmm. so i started djing concerts and that's how i got linked up with lucian and then um I became I became an RA oh, at the nice. university for celery. Interesting. Yeah, it was man. That was so much fun. Yeah, you you enjoyed it. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm tight, dude. I've known like people that were RAs that just hated it so yeah, much. Yeah, I know. Right? Everybody everybody like doesn't have the patience for for people. Like mm -hmm. people don't like people, which is yeah. like I'm I'm a people person. I just love like yeah. getting to know new people and stuff. Sure. Like that. Um, and like, did you um? Like, did you have to be the bad guy much, or do you feel like your residents enjoyed you? Uh, I mean, like, sometimes you have to, but yeah. I don't know, like, my personality was so big, and I just made sense. Like, you could, you could come in and tell somebody, like, hey, guys, don't drink because it's illegal and it's wrong and it's bad for you and all this stuff. Yeah. Or you could come in like me, and I was like, look, this is my job, and my job literally pays for me to live here. So I have a home because of my job. Yeah, yeah. My job is to make sure y'all are safe, whatever, whatever. And y'all know you're not allowed to drink by the law, whether you agree with it or not. <laughs> now, if I let y'all drink, I could get fired, and then I don't get paid, and I lose my job. Or y'all could just be smooth about it, and then there's no problem. Yeah. But if I see you, drinking and if you let me see you drinking or doing something wrong right i gotta make a choice yeah. i gotta say either i'm a i'm gonna like do the proper documentation and like we gonna settle the consequences yeah. or i could let you do it and then i'm homeless 
I'm not gonna be homeless <laughs> yeah. to let you drink. Right. So just don't, just don't do it. It's like, a good philosophy. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when they, when you put it in that perspective, like I'm not trying to get y'all in trouble. I'm not out to get y'all in trouble. But if it comes up, I gotta choose me over you. Right. Like yeah. if just, you're being, yeah, if like you're being obnoxious or just stupid or just not, yeah, you know, not being, like, not being courteous of like the situation. If, yeah, if you're yeah. trying to have Project X, it's like, bro, I'm not. Finna, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna just like yeah. sit by and have my supervisors be like, well, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, so now you're homeless. Yeah, and I mean, I got written up once in the dorms for drinking, but it was because we had like, because it was like a person limit in the in the dorms. Like you could only have like, I think three guests in your room at one time. Mm -hmm. We had like 15 people in one room, and yeah. at that point, it's like. Okay, we were being stupid, yeah, you man. know? Hey, first night, it was, yeah, it was all types of Yeah. Stuff. But, <laughs> sure. like, being an RA was what allowed me to really start my professional DJ career because there's a club out there called Liquid right up the street from the dorm. Sure. And it was an 18-plus club. Nice. And all the freshmen are 18, and I'm the RA. So <laughs> the first week of school, we're having a back-to-school bash at Liquid. Mm -hmm. And so I tell all the kids, I'm like, look, Y'all don't have anything to do, classes haven't started yet. Come watch me DJ at the club for like $10. And yeah. all the kids were like, what? We finna come watch the RA DJ? Yeah. We're there. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody when it came through, it was like 300 kids all in the club yeah. going crazy. I'm playing all bangers. They just doing all types of stuff. And so like setting the tone that way, like I, everybody was talking about the RA that was yeah. DJing and stuff like that. I imagine that builds really good rapport like Hell with yeah. the students and they're like, this guy's dope, so let's not fuck with him. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I understand what y'all are trying to do. Y'all everybody's trying to have fun. Yeah. And y'all understand that like this is my job. Like so right. you know, it everybody in the dorms knew who I was and I didn't even know like half the people there. So <laughs> yeah. it was like yeah, it, it was cool. And that's how I got my start DJing because the club saw how many people I was bringing through and they decided to give me a residence. So I was DJing there every week on Saturdays. And it, the club wasn't like a busy club. It could fit a thousand people, but on any given night, it would be like 50 people on a busy night. Yeah. And then I come through all of a sudden bringing through 300 freshmen, which is a four year investment. Mm -hmm. And like every year that I'm at the school, so any any year that comes through, and I'm an RA, that's a whole new year of students that I could just come turn up with. And so, like, I blew the club through the roof. Yeah. And doing that residency taught me a lot, gave me a lot of experience, and led to a lot of other opportunities because so many people in the city saw who I was and what I was doing. Was it like, uh, so you would describe it as something you consciously looked forward to every week? Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, what uh, brought you over, over to Milwaukee? I moved to Milwaukee this past August, and I was in Madison for, I was in Madison for probably like past five years or so, mm -hmm. maybe six. And I moved to Milwaukee because I felt like I pretty much done everything that I could do in Madison. Mm -hmm. um, I DJed any major club or bar that was there, uh, headlined my own event at the Majestic Theater. Oh, nice. Headline my own event at the Orpheum Theater, which seats like 2,000 people. Yeah. There's a lot of big touring acts that come yeah, through like both of those. Yeah. Future headline at the, at the um, Orpheum. And I was the first local artist like from the region that headlined an event at the Orpheum. Nice. So like, I did that. I did, I did Freak Fest. I performed on the main stage at Freak Fest. 
Um, so really the only things that I hadn't done were like a halftime show at either a football or a basketball game at the Cole Center or uh, Camp Randall mm-hmm. and um, like a performance at the Alliant Energy Center, which yeah. is like a stadium tour. Mm-hmm. So that was all that there was left to do. And I was getting, I felt like I was getting complacent. I didn't really have competition in the city. All my competition was like in a different city in Milwaukee, Chicago, whatever, whatever. And I felt like I was always, as far as DJing goes, I was always like the the representative of the room. Like nobody could really teach me anything. At least that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to go to a, a bigger city where there was better competition, more opportunities, more competition, just to see how I stacked up mm-hmm. and like elevate myself. Cause I'm, I'm just a competitive person by nature. So if I see somebody else doing something and they're killing it, then that just forces me to level myself up. Yeah. And that's something I've been trying to work on is like, just pushing myself to get better just off the strength of me rather than off the strength of somebody else. Yeah. And so Milwaukee's been helping me do that and teaching me how to do that. That's a good way to like uh, make, um, to sort of like be, to bring that internal inspiration um, as opposed to like externalizing it on people where it's like, man, I'm trying to be the best and no one can be better. But it's more of like a reminder for you to like, you know, always Right, you want to be the best, you want to be the best version of yourself, not better than everybody else around you. Exactly. And that's what coming to Milwaukee kind of taught me is like, I don't have to compete with anybody. I just, if I can just be the best me, then I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish, I wish everybody had that mindset. Um, But, you know, that's a very uh, key thing to you know, keep moving towards always. So, um, how would you describe like a the typical way like a Mondo's house, uh, like the format of the show? Because I know that you've done like a number of them. So I guess like, how is the event structured? Like, how would you describe a typical Mondo's house? Yeah. So I've been when I came to Milwaukee, I started throwing my own events. They're called Mondo's House at the Miramar Theater, and the the idea of it was just to have like a, a party. So we we started out throwing house parties right next door to the Miramar Theater. And- J3? Yeah. J3 Studios. <laughs> that was my old house. Yeah, man, it was crazy. And so like, yeah. we would, me and uh, my guy Spice, guy, shout out Spice. Shout out Spice. He, um, he would DJ for like an hour and a half and then I would get on and DJ for an hour and a half and just pipe the house party up as hard yeah. as we could. Mm-hmm. And then once it got too full and once we like kind of built an audience, it was, it was kind of like my welcome to Milwaukee. Like, yeah this is who I am mm-hmm. and this is how it is when I DJ. And so we took that that group, moved it over to the Miramar Theater and made it into a show. <laughs> Literally next door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we wanted to do party concert type of feel, but we kind of moved more towards the concert mm-hmm. rather than just the party because it um, felt more, more organized and more entertaining, more like higher value than just like put me on for two hours and let me just go crazy it was like okay have people open up the show it gives people a chance to like it gives me a chance to showcase milwaukee and showcase people that i i like and people that are like cool to me mm-hmm. or my friends and um like it, it lets the audience see new people and it lets like people that i rock with get in front of an audience yeah. so it, it's a platform we built a platform and so that's how we do it. We'd have people open and then I would DJ for like the last hour or two. 
sure. and just turn up. Hell yeah! What do you what What would you say has been the your personal favorite Mondo's house that you've had so far? Probably. Yeah. There's a couple. I got a top three. Nice. So we have Halloween, which was um, the day after my guy Keys Wisco Keys got free from jail because he was he was locked up for like six months. Damn. And so. The day he got out, the next day we had Amando's house. And so I brought him out and did like a big reveal because we were all wearing Halloween masks. Oh, yeah. And then he took off his mask and it was like, yo, this is Keys. We've been yelling free Keys for like the past however many months yeah. at the show. And everybody was going crazy like, oh my God. And, yeah. I his, <laughs> and then I let him do a song and he was like so geeky. He was like, damn. So yeah, that, that was real cool. Um, and then I loved the, the throwback one where I, I just played a whole bunch of throwback music. It was so much fun. Nice. Like, it was tight. And then the Valentine's Day one was cool too because I played like strictly R&B, just R&B. Oh, nice. And it was dope. Like, uh, I, I kind of, it, it's cool throwing your own event because you can dictate what's going to happen. And I've never really been in that position before. Mm -hmm. Like working at the club, it was always kind of like imposed on me. Like, okay, this is the type of feel we want and I just do it. Right. Um, but... I kind of realized, like, no matter what anybody says, the power is in my hands because I'm the one playing the music. I'm Creative the one, control. Yeah, exactly. I'm the one who decides what's dope and what's not dope and what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And being able to throw an event and just do it, no matter what anybody says, be like, yo, I'm going to come out and just play nothing but R&B. Yeah. And it was fun. Like, everybody had fun doing it. Everybody was singing along. It was a, it was a dope night. So it kind of just really let me know that I can do whatever I want to do yeah. and make it fun Yeah, just off the strength of my DJ. Totally, yeah. Um, how do you feel like uh, you've like um, acquired the skill to read crowds like over time? Like, I mean, every, every, anyone can tell like, you know, whether or not this person's vibing to the song or not, but there's, there's some very like, like, I imagine there's some really specific indicators that you can sort of use to like, sort of you know drive the energy and drive the songs you're playing i guess like what have you like learned over time that's allowed you to like read the crowd the best um uh, i'm i'm always kind of like ever since i was a kid i kind of considered myself a people pleaser and like emotionally intelligent i'm good at reading yeah. body language and seeing people's emotions whether mm -hmm. they say it or not i can sense um i kind of took that and applied it to djing i'm always watching the crowd always seeing what they're what their reaction is mm -hmm. to a specific song. And at first, when I first started DJing in front of crowds, um, I wasn't really like the vocal kind of demanding DJ that I am because I was DJing on the radio. And so with the, the proper technique on the radio is once the music starts, you stop. Like yeah. you, don't, you don't talk over the music, right, right? So when I was first DJing, like my first couple concerts was with Lucian. And when I was DJing the first couple times with him, I would like play a song and just not say anything. Yeah. And he would just start doing his thing. And then after the show, he'd be like, you know what? I want you to say something at the next show that we do. So I was like, all right, cool. We started talking and just, I noticed how big of a difference it made when you just talk to the crowd. Mm -hmm. And we were going on tour. Lucia and I went on tour with um, Wave Chappelle. Oh, and shout out Wave. Tori. Yeah. Shout out to Tori. Yeah, and so at those shows, we were going all over the country, and it would be like 
five to 50 person shows, so really, really small shows. Yeah. And when there's only five people in the crowd and you just don't say anything, play some music, it's just awkward, right? Yeah. So I was just like, yo, it's five of y'all here, I'm finna just talk to you and just say whatever comes to mind mm -hmm. and then play the music. And doing that made everything way less awkward because everybody was just like, either be sitting down and just standing in the corner, I'm like, yo, come to the front, let's like vibe out and all this stuff and yeah. play the music. Right. Yeah. And so that really made a difference as far as like my, my energy level and my confidence and getting in front of a crowd. So that transitioned into, okay, I know how to talk to the crowd, I know how to engage them. Now how do I, how do I like watch and make sure that they actually like what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Cause you could, you could tell somebody to come up to the front and a bunch of people come up to the front and then the music starts playing and then they all kind of slowly just lose interest and go back to their seats. Yeah, that's true. So when I'm playing music, the type of music that I play isn't like vibey, like, just chill and have a drink type music. It's like jump around and all that right, stuff. So, yeah. at least me personally and a lot of my friends, we move to music. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of movements, like head bobbing, jumping around, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, those are clear indicators, obviously. But uh, then there's some people that they just take the music in and they're yeah. like singing along to the music. So, another indicator is just it's just listening and watching people. If you can see people moving, if you can hear people singing, they're having a good time. Mm -hmm. If they're not, then they're waiting for something to happen. Or they're waiting for you to play the song that they like or that they know. And you have to recognize that. If I'm playing a bunch of hip hop at a concert for Daddy Yankee, yeah. like it might be cool, yeah. but if you start playing Latin music at a concert for Daddy Yankee, mm -hmm. then everybody's gonna have way more fun than if you're yeah. playing hip hop. Because right. that's the music they know. Because they have that expectation. And there's, there's like all different types of like things like that, just little details. It's like, okay, where do these people come from? How old are these people? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, like what type of music do you think this group of people listen to? Yeah. And sometimes you'll be caught by surprise, but a lot of the times it's like, if you're, if you're perceptive enough, you, you can just know, like these are the type of people that are here right now. Yeah. And you just play the music for them. Totally. Uh, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Yeah, is, I, I don't know, but cause like I feel like <clears throat> there's lots of DJs that just don't have that. Like it feels obvious, mm -hmm. but it feels obvious to me. And so I'll be watching DJs play music, not like any DJ in particular, but like any any shows I've gone to in like Miami or something like that. And I'll watch what they're doing, and they're just not resonating with the crowd. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so glaringly apparent. I'm just like, just switch it up, do something yeah. different than what you're doing right now. Right. I just, I don't. There's some, yeah, there's some people that just kind of like play it. They don't play that music intuitively, I feel. It's kind of like when you have the aux, when you have the, the aux duty, mm -hmm. which is, it's a, it's right. a, that's no, it's that's no joke. Light, light task. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And, um, you know, it's like uh, when you just play something that, just to play it rather than what is like that apparent vibe at that particular moment that's like you said gonna get people moving or it's like it's fitting the you know the the scenario or something like that like this is some people that just play it just to play it mm -hmm. and been I've I remember like you know like when I was in youth group um, in high school we used to have like uh, like these dances and it would be like just 
these much older dudes that were yeah. playing music and it was pretty cringy because it was mm-hmm. just all a bunch of shit no one was trying to hear or dance yeah, man, to. Like, you, you, get, you get a bunch of 90s kids that are like 12 or 13 years old and we're not trying to hear Journey. I guarantee, right? yeah, I yeah. guarantee it, bro. Like, we're not trying to hear that. No. We're trying to hear Soulja Boy, Ludacris, uh, uh, like literally all that stuff. Just yeah. all that stuff from back like in the early 2000s. Right. Throw some Usher in there. Yeah, Usher, uh, Lil Jon. Yeah. You know, like, right. all that type of music. But then there's people that just can't see it and it's either a lack of perception or a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's always one of the two. Either they don't see that the crowd doesn't like it, or they just don't know about the music that they like. Right, yeah. They're there to do a job. They're not there to, like, entertain. Yeah, exactly. I would say. Yeah. No. So how would you say, um, you know, and I remember, like, so we were we were both at the that, like, Loom Artist meetup the other day, mm-hmm. and you said something very key. Uh, you said something that, you know, was a very... Um, profound point about how like you may not like be making and dropping music that like you created yourself but you are still playing other people's music and you're that's essentially your craft like how so how do you feel like you turn like the manipulation of other people's music um into your own art form how does it become your own creative outlet right well i think there's a there's a difference between playing music and djing you know, like, I feel like if you give me, if you're a DJ and you give, somebody gives us like a set of songs, the same exact set of songs in the exact same order, I feel like you're going to play it differently than I play it. Yeah. Just because we're different people. My, my words and the way I listen to music can add a different type of spin. Like, I can add my own story to the music that I play. And I, I don't know how to describe it, but like I'll just be talking. Like um, mm-hmm. there's certain moments that'll happen. Like I remember I DJed, I DJed at uh, the Bad Bunny concert at the Rave, and obviously it's a whole, whole bunch of Latinos there. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a whole bunch of ICE raids going on for like immigration status and things like oh, that right. going yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm knowing like this is the, really the first. Oh, uh, not the first time, but like, it was a major moment for me because it was it was one of the few times where I've chosen to play an all Latin music set. But at the same time, um, I played this song that I always play. It's called Swag Surfing. People know it. If you know it, you know it. But um, I, I made a speech, and it was hip-hop. It's hip-hop music, and I made a speech about being proud to be Latino or Latina and how, like, there's just always a sense of Latin pride in the community. Yeah. And um, then so I made everybody like put their arms around everybody's shoulders and then I played Swag Surfing, which is like a hip hop song. It's not a Latin song. It doesn't scream Latin pride, but because of what message I painted around it mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't be ashamed to be Latino in the American country and diversity is what makes the country great and all these things I was talking about it and then I play swag surfing everybody's like rocking side to side mm-hmm. they don't even know the people next to them but they they have their arms around them and it's like just a whole community of people just having fun at this concert that's like what I mm-hmm. do I, I put my own message yeah on the music and I, I just add something to it. That's awesome. Man. Versus like just playing that song, and then it happens. Yeah. It would it would feel out of place if right. I just played the song. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta 
you got to paint the picture. Right. Yeah. You people feel it. you put context to it. You put commu you communicated with mm -hmm. those present, and you made it into you know a profound message, which is you know that's not something just anybody could do. That takes immense. For one, it takes. I mean, it takes a lot of um, confidence because I mean, for me, like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, for one, I'm not confident enough to be playing music to a whole crowd. <laughs> like, um, ask anyone who I, I've ever, like, has been in the car with me when I have the aux. I never know, like, what to play when. <laughs> but what you guys want to hear. Like, right. Yeah. But, you know, it's um, something that does take immense confidence. And it also takes a sense. It, it takes a lot of uniqueness, too, because it's like you, it's, you know, it's, it's personal to you and, like, the message you're trying to get across with, you know, how you you are presenting the music rather than just you know just pressing a button and seeing what happens like right. it's you know and so that's you know using art that may already be there but it's like you're still bringing your personality to it I'd mm -hmm. say yeah and that's that's something that I think is a very important part of DJing because like there's there's DJs that can tell a story and make you feel something without saying anything like just off the strength of DJing and mm -hmm. scratching and making like taking samples and making phrases and turning it into like a message yeah but I can't do that yet and the easiest way for me to do that is by just telling you how it is right yeah. and I think the perfect DJ can do both and that's like what my mission is now it's like okay I can I can get on stage and talk to the crowd and I can play music and mix music like supremely well. And now if I can do that same thing without saying anything, but I can still do both, that's like that'd be the perfect DJ. Somebody who can talk and scratch and mix and playlist curate and do all of it. Mm -hmm. like, read the crowd, all of it. That's totally. the perfect DJ. Yeah, sure. Um I guess uh, so like how do you I guess like um when you have like, you know, an event coming up like I guess how do you typically prepare for it um, well my most recent show was Summerfest mm -hmm. and how we prepared for that it was I wanted to so like that concept of either competing with my competitors or competing with myself right mm -hmm. it was it was that type of concept so sure. I, I performed at Summerfest the first two years and I knew or for the past two years, not, not that. And I knew that people were gonna be excited for me to be there. I knew that I'd grown a name for myself over time. And so I, w I was coming in not as an unknown, but as somebody who was known and I had expectations and pressures on me to perform well. They were like, everybody was talking about, like, oh my God, I'm just gonna be at yeah. Summerfest, it's gonna go crazy. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I could go on stage and play music how I play music. and talk about the music how I talk about the music and it'll be fine it'll be fun but I wanted to see how I could level up my performance mm -hmm. from the past two years because if I was doing the same thing I was doing two years ago just with different music that's cool like that's fine but I really wanted to separate it and make it like oh no he's he's like for real mm -hmm. he's here to stay type yeah. type of thing so um, I got me and four other guys together, like my best friends, it was uh, Keys, let's go Keys, Dose, Dance for Dose, Remy, Remy Bodyguard, and my little brother Luis, Sonny Lou. And we all started rehearsing and doing choreography, kind of like Bruno Mars style type of thing, like something real simple, but also clean. Sure. 
and we we made it like entertainment. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm playing music and we're all dancing, doing the same dance moves, and all this stuff, and that was like what I was trying to do, make it not that. I'm a good DJ, but I wanted to make it, I'm a good entertainer, yeah, more than right. just DJing. I'm not, I'm not a DJ anymore, is what it, what it felt like I was saying, just with that performance. And we, we've been practicing for like, well, I found out about the show three weeks before it happened. <laughs> and so for the next few weeks, we drilled every day yeah. and practiced all the dance moves, got the set together, got all the costumes together. We had like four costume changes throughout the show. Yeah. So that's the type of preparation that I'm trying to put into every show from now on. Sure. Um, but before that, so I mean, like, that was a very recent new thing. That's like just barely a week old that yeah. we started doing that. Right. And so the plan is to continue to do that. Um, before that, it was more, more like planning um, transitions, I guess, and segues into different songs that weren't at the same mm -hmm. tempo. So it's like, okay, if I want to take it from a song that's at 96 beats per minute to a song that's at 70, I'm gonna have to either do an effect and a transition or I'm gonna have to say something so that I can lead it into that without playing it off yeah. beat, you know? So planning a lot of transitions or some days I would just kind of like, I would just freestyle it. I would have a pool of songs and I would just pull from that pool of songs as yeah. the night went on. Those are for like, lesser prestige shows like sure. at the club or yeah. just like where you're DJing every week it's like alright cool well, yeah. I know what I what I should play I know what what would throw people off if I played it and that type of stuff sure so this, so this comes out of my own ignorance of just the art of DJing um what like I guess describe like scratch and how like you implement that into like what does that do I guess for the yeah so DJing I mean it started way way like DJing was pretty much what led to the rise of hip-hop and hip-hop production. Yeah. Um, people were taking old 60s and 70s records and creating samples from them or taking pieces of those songs and producing hip-hop beats over them. And scratching, so what scratching is, you take a record and a record spins on the needle and if you yeah. stop the needle and make starts making that noise, it makes a funny noise, yeah. but they turn that into an instrument. And so that's like where scratching came from. And nowadays you can use it. So you, you always have at least two sides playing music while they're while you're DJing, right? So say you're playing music on the right side. This side is is playing music and then you're holding this side and playing it so quickly, right? as a scratch till it just makes a, a noise and you're using it as an instrument. So while this song is playing, like that's how you, oh, wow. you know okay. what I'm saying? That's how you create the scratch and you do it on beat. So that's that's what scratching is and that's how it happens. Sure. Um, and people who scratch just, that's like, they're bread and butter. They'll, they'll yeah. use scratching as a way to transition into other songs. You can play a phrase over and over again. You can echo, which is like, that, that, that to me is like the coolest part of scratching. You, you'll, you'll like play a phrase and then scratch it back and play it again and then slowly fade out the volume so it sounds like an echo. It's the dope. coolest thing ever. That is super dope. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Learning shit. Um, so uh, I know you said you, you've toured a lot. Um, what would you say like uh, is one of like your uh, standout moments on tour? I guess like in a different city. Finland. 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 
like a Helsinki? Yes. <laughs> wow. I've always wanted to go out there. I've always wanted to hit like the Scandinavia. If, if I had been there any longer than two days, I would have started a family and stayed there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Type shit. <laughs> nice. What made it so amazing? Well, so the the time we went there was during Christmas time. Okay. And so the whole city was just filled with like Christmas lights and Christmas trees and mm -hmm. it, like, I don't know, everything just looked so big and like the, the buildings were super tall and all lit up and stuff like that. And I love Christmas time. Like it's just, that's the best holiday to me because it's all about like bringing people together yeah. and that's what I try and do with my music, right? right. So it, everybody's happy, everybody's in a good mood and just the lights was just the coolest part about it. Um, and we were there because I had gotten booked for this club called Skohan for Drake Night. Mm -hmm. So I, I um, Drake Night is an event that I did at the Orpheum and Majestic. That was like my headline show before I came up with Mondo's House. And sure. so um, basically I just play music from Drake and all the people he's collaborated with in like my own way. Drake has so much good music so I could, I could play that for hours. Um, and so it was a 1400 person club in a different country that I got booked for as the last part of Lucian's tour. Mm -hmm. And it was packed, everybody loved the music. And it really let me know that like the world is a small place. Like if I'm getting, if I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, getting booked in Finland for a show that I did in Wisconsin, <laughs> you could really do your art anywhere like That's you can amazing. do it anywhere and it was just such a crazy realization for me because there's people who i'd never met in my life and they speak a completely different language than me listening to the music that i was playing and they thought it was lit like it was it was so crazy mm -hmm. and all the girls are just <laughs> oh damn <laughs> gotta go to finland now yeah man finland bro i was really up i was about to stay i was gonna stay <laughs> <laughs> It. I mean, you got backup plans now, always. Yep. Right? <laughs> yep. That's 100%. Like, if I, if I have to stop DJing, or even if I like am done DJing in America, it's either Peru, which is where I'm from, or Finland. Man. That's where I'm going. That's two completely different uh, yep. directions, mm -hmm. but that's still dope. <laughs> uh, so, I guess, um, what would you say uh, you know, you're currently working on now? I guess, like, where are you with your career as it is now? I know you just did Summerfest. Like, mm -hmm. I guess, what's next? Yeah, so two big shows we got coming up next are um, TDM Fest, which is hosted by my guy Tone the Man, and it's going to be at Turner Hall, August 10th. Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that'll be yeah. a dope night. It's my first time playing there, so that's like, we're trying to just bring the same type of energy and yeah. the same type of effort that we brought to Summerfest, and it should be dope. And then, other than that, I'm, I'm, um, I'm thinking... I got my eyes set on Freak Fest in Madison. I got my eyes set on Summerfest next year, Lollapalooza next year, yeah. um, Rolling Loud next year. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a whole festival run, and I feel like the tone that we set with Summerfest will really kind of segue into all of these other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think that people will really see that it, it's. It's not just a DJ performance. Like I'm not just like the guy that's gonna play music on the side in between acts and just play music to kill time. It's right. like 
like no we're we are a show and we need that same type of respect that you would give the artist yeah you know totally so yeah i mean that's that's awesome um so i mean like it's cool that like you're um you know you incorporated the choreography and the theatrics and mm -hmm. just all that stuff because that's that's truly what sets you apart is like you know how you're adding those you know those um extraordinary components to your performance and just like what is going to make people be like it was not only fun to listen to it was fun to fucking watch right yeah that's 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 what we're trying to do it's like it's not just one or the other it has to be both yeah fun to watch fun to listen to and if you do both of those things then when you're on stage you'll be able to listen and watch the crowd and see the reaction like oh yeah piping up and all that stuff. oh yeah so you all right dj mondo um tell me what keeps you up at night what keeps me up at night midsummer <laughs> yeah midsummer that movie bro that movie blew my mind man i don't even know what to say I'm I'm really about to become a film major just so I can figure <laughs> yeah. out what the hell went on in that movie. Bro. Damn, I gotta watch crazy. this movie now, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't even want y'all to watch it because y'all gonna be mad as hell, and then you're gonna say that I told you to watch it. I I'm not telling you to watch it. I'm just telling you that if you do watch it, you're gonna know what I'm talking about. Bro, I hate movies that just you know that just deny you that closure. Like, so, man, I I guess I'm gonna watch it, but I'm gonna be. You, setting myself up yeah bro you just gotta be ready you by the time it ends you'll be like bro what yeah what and then you're gonna be ready to fight I i'll promise. be i'll be like he warned me what puts you to sleep though what puts me to sleep damn i'm i don't, i want to give you like the interesting answer but to be honest i'm a pretty pretty easy sleeper like nice. as long okay as long as the bed is long enough for my tall ass to sleep on, I'm good. I'll be straight. A lot of beds, I'm like, people always be like, oh, I got a couch that you can crash on. Nah, son, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, couch. bro, I need it. You're like, bro, I had, a, I had a duck down to get through the door. Like. Yeah, man, come on, bro. Like, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Other than that, good music. Yeah. Uh, knowing that people really love what I do and have fun while I do it. And the fact that I'm making a living and calling my own shots and doing what I want to do rather than what somebody else wants me to do. That's what puts me to sleep at night. Man, that's your your own boss of sorts, man. That's the best. Love it. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Ton man. of fun, man. Yeah. Remember uh, DJ Mondo? Uh, so uh, so we got, uh, was it the, the fest on August 10th? Yeah, TDM Fest, August 10th. Uh, stay tuned for Freak Fest. Great. Who knows? I might pop up. Sounds good. Yeah, keep an eye out for him. <laughs> thank you for being out, or thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.